Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. This is the Podcaster Community Show, short conversations that are not just about podcasting because I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Robbie Swale, who's back for a, I don't know why, a second dose of Craig Insanity. <laughs> Welcome, Robbie. How are you this afternoon? Thanks, Craig. Great to be back. And yeah, I'm pretty good, actually, this afternoon. How are you this morning? Um, yeah, I'm good. It's kind of gray and dreary in Pennsylvania, where I am about two hours due west of New York City. Is how I always like to say it because nobody knows where I live in Pennsylvania. And we, it's been like dry and hot. And now for the last two days, it's been raining. I'm like, well, this is good. I'm going to mow the lawn soon. <laughs> Much the same here, actually. So I'm in Southwest London. It's pretty gray today. Uh, the grass in all the parks turned yellow and mm. brown because we've had such little rain. And, and then, yeah, we've had, we had a bit of rain in, uh, last month, but the last couple of days, there's been some good downpours, which just feel mm. like a relief. You know, In England, we're not used to it being dry. Are you anywhere near Hampstead, Hampstead Heath? I've been there once. Uh, that's I, northwest. I've been there well, but it's, that's yeah, that's in the north. You can get, north. get an easy train to the Heath when I want to, although mostly hmm. because like when you live in a big city, there's loads of bits that you never go to, even though they're really nice. <laughs> but I, I love Hampstead Heath. Giant patchwork of oh, never been to that block. Uh, anyway, I'm off on a tangent, and our time is taking. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you, so um, if people don't know, Robbie uh, set off on a mission like in February, pretty early this year, to be on a hundred different podcasts. And there's a whole, like if, if you're, if you just went, wait, what, just go to your favorite search engine and type Robbie Swale 100 <laughs> podcasts, and you should land directly on the article on his blog. If not, find one of us and we'll get you there. Uh, and it's a neat journey and there's a whole bunch that we can learn about that. And he's been talking a lot about that in different places. And so that's one, like I'm, I'm painting a George Surratt pointillist painting for people. Here, so that's one dot. Another dot is your first book was how to, uh, sorry, I should know the title off the top of my head, but basically how to get unstuck. So it's, give me the title of the first book. It's how to start when you're stuck. How you to start when you're stuck. And the second one is behind you, which is how to keep going. When you want to give up. <laughs> when exactly. you want to give up. And the question that I have, so those are two more points. The question I have is how do you stop? So like if how to get going, how to keep going, which is sort of like how to get through the hard part. How do you know when to stop and how do you stop? Yeah. I mean, there's two parts of that. One is I've been thinking recently, like I just hadn't really think through my podcast challenge. And, and also Craig, thanks for having me back because this means this is going to be number 50. My and question. we said, we made a joke last time we spoke, I think, that <laughs> we'll come back at 50. And I plan to come back at 100 because you made that joke last time as well, if I get there. Um, you can go back at 101. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn I have to delete you from my list which means that I need another need to find another one um so like one of the things I've been thinking about recently is I just hadn't thought through what happens if you appear on 50 even just 50 podcasts in like you say like since the start of the year and I started a bit late so it's a bit yeah. less high pressure that I'm uh halfway through the podcasts with three quarters of the way through the year or two thirds of the way through the year um which is there's a huge amount of content it's actually quite hard to manage now and i feel bad because there are some podcasts that i've been on that i haven't shared because it's like too much for one person to cope with so it's like it's a serious problem I'm just knowing when to stop my friend sarah wheeler has a podcast called uh, or has a, a tool called the quitting quadrant to like mm. help people think i can't remember what the podcast called she's got one but it's like how do we know when to quit our jobs? Like, when is it the right time to quit? When is quitting the right thing to do? So uh, there's a part of me which is like, I don't know when to stop, Craig. I should have probably stopped before I committed to being on 100 podcasts, but now I've got to play this game to the end. Um, but the other side of it, to answer more seriously, so those two books are 
the first two books in a series about the creative process. And the third one is about to come out. And the third one is how to create the conditions for great work. So it's like, in a way, it's the least part of important part of making something. The most important part of making something is that you start. Mm. The second most important is that you keep going. You don't, mm. you don't quit before you're finished or before you want to. And then the, the fight, the third most important part, and it does make sense that this is the fourth book. The fourth book, fourth book is going to be called something like how to share your work when you're scared. Because that's where mm. this this practice came for me, and I think that the opening page of it is going to be a quote from the French. Um, I think he was a poet, Paul Valéry, probably pronounced in a French way, not in an English way, like I just did. And the quote is something like, "A poem is never finished; it is only ever abandoned." Mm. So there isn't a, a stop. There's for me. There's just the perfectionist in me, right? It's just like just a time when you decide to abandon fiddling with your thing and mm. let it out into the world. A mm, couple things resonating with me. First of all, give me the name of the woman and the book you mentioned again. So Sarah Wheeler, which I think is W-E-I-L-E-R. And it, I don't her book, I don't think it's out yet, but the, the tool is The Quitting Quadrant. Mm. And if people Google The Quitting Quadrant, they'll probably get Sarah or The Quitting Quadrant, Sarah Wheeler, you'll get it. Um, and there is nice. a podcast. So you could also probably search Quitting Sarah into your um, podcast thing and, and you'd find I just wanted to make sure people heard it twice. Yeah, uh, I'm trying, also, I'm trying to wrangle my way onto her podcast. So as in later, you'll be able to find, of course I am, right? Later, <laughs> you're going to be able to find it via yeah, my gonna do, podcast. You're going to wrangle on everybody's podcast. That's, um, that's my game, yeah. The thing that you were saying about a poetry, a poem is never done, but only abandoned, we're both now paraphrasing, uh, reminded me of something, a quote that I have from James Baldwin, the American writer, who said that something to the effect of editing is like, you're never done editing. You, you just give up when you can't make it any better. It's like, oh, this is as good as I can make it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm quitting at that thing. Um, so that seems to me that that's a sentiment that many different writers are telling us, you know, you and I, uh, that that's something we should do. Um, and the other thing that resonated with me when you were talking was you were, I don't know if most recently or very recently on a, a mutual friend of ours uh, named David Reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. For those searching, uh, David has a podcast called Lead, Learn, Change. And you were on there and you made a point in there, whew, long setup. You made a <laughs> <laughs> you know, and actually I've lost my train of thought. The setup was so long. I can only hold thoughts. <laughs> Dang yeah. it. Um, Oh, well, maybe it'll come back to me. It was a, a point that you made a podcast that I wanted to pull on, but I had really good point. Let's talk. just assume everyone can assume it was hilarious. <laughs> it David's and podcast. Oh, that yeah, annoys exactly. me when I have things that I wanted to say, but I had five of them. Um, yeah. What are we talking about? We're talking about abandoning poems and editing yeah. and crap. The, um, I, my, I, uh, it's a question from my subconscious. It'll come up in a few minutes. <laughs> yep. What is, um, what is something that uh, before, so before we press record, we were talking about this idea of um, above or below the line, be, uh, uh, asking oneself, am I above or below the line? Um, so can you tell me, let's just like you do some talking for a change. What's the line that that question is about? And like unpack a little bit about how you were suggesting people randomly ask themselves that question. Yeah. So it's a question that I learned about from Jim Detmer, D-E-T-H-M-E-R. Uh, and 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 his colleagues. It's in it's in the book, the fifteen commitments of conscious leadership by Detmer and his colleagues Diana Chapman and Kaylee Clamp. And if you search commitments of conscious leadership, you'll get it. Um, and 
essentially it's the idea that we are we are usually in one of two states. Uh, we are either above the line, which is our kind of open, um, creative, social connection state, or we're below the line. And this is like when we feel like we're under threat or we are uncomfortable or we are a little bit in anxiety and scarcity and fear. And, um, you know, sometimes when people talk about being triggered, I think often mm-hmm. they mean like they that something they feel like something has moved them from above the line to below the line in short order. Um, and essentially the 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 question that, that I heard Detmer talk about on a, um, a training course I was on once was to set up an app. You can get these apps like Mind Jogger and Remind Me. And you, what you do is you set them up so that like they will randomly give you a push notification on your device a certain number of times between certain hours. So you can set it up between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. to give you eight nudges or two nudges or whatever you want. And then he, I think the question he he just suggests, or one of them, I've heard him suggest a couple, is it, it pops up on your phone. It pops up on my phone in a green notification on, on Android on Remind Me, and it will say, mine says something slightly different at the moment, but in this case, it could say, Robbie, are you above or below the line? And the beauty of that is, we were talking about it, right? Sometimes you'll get to the end, I'll get to the end of the, in my day, you made a similar point, and you'd be like, oh my, oh my word. I was essentially, you know, maybe you don't use this language, but I was below the line for the last four hours. And only when you surface and slow down enough, do you notice that? And only obviously when we notice something like that, can we actively make a choice right. about what we do with it and how we respond to it. And so if we have an app helping us, I mean, that you know, using the push notification for good instead of evil, like to suck us into Twitter, um, <laughs> then we get that choice given to us in the middle of, of the day, maybe even in the middle of, I remember it used to happen for me. I used it as a presencing practice and it has a different vibration on Android to say WhatsApp. So mm. I would sometimes have my phone in my pocket. I don't do that these days, but I used to, even when coaching people, I would have my phone in my pocket. And if it vibrated with the remind me vibration, even mm. that became a, a way for me in the moment to just slow down and notice what's actually going on here. Um, mm. And then we get noticing what's going on is like one of the key moves because once we've noticed what's going on it's no longer just happening to us and we get that little bit of choice so that we can go okay i have this information now am i above or below the line if i'm below the line i don't want to am i going to do anything about that hmm. yeah that's that's a brilliant that's a brilliant question and i um so i'm it's not CBT, not CBD, not cannabidiol, but <laughs> cognitive behavioral therapy. There's a, I think there's a physical modality where I think at first a therapist would do this. They tap on your leg. Have you ever seen this? I've and, heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it has something to do with like the tapping is a physical cue that makes your, I don't, I don't know how it works, but my thinking is it makes your brain go, wait, what, what's going on there? And that's enough to give you a change or the opportunity for you to change your thinking. Um, and I've also read, and I cannot remember off the top of my head where I got this from. Um, it's a programming nerdy, you know, jokey thing. Like, uh, well, what you really need to do is you need to insert an interrupt. So every time, you know, habit that you don't like is about to happen, you insert this wedge, which is like, if habit beginning, then you know, get up and walk around the house or like whatever. Um, and I think there's a lot of, um, like long-term human cultural intelligence about this. Like, well, if you don't want to be doing the same thing you've always been doing, you got to do something else. Like, like what's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing and expecting different results. Yeah. But, but, but it's, it's hard, it's easier said than done. Right. So, because if we've, if we've been practicing one way of being, which could be responding in, 
in a certain way to a certain stimulus for a long time, it's it's not nothing to learn a new way of responding right. to that stimulus. It's one of the reasons why that, that pattern interrupt is a good metaphor. It's yeah. like there we open up that little bit of space. Um, there's a there's a concept that I heard about from Sean Aker, who I read about in his book. He's a positive psychologist. He, he calls it activation energy. I don't think it's from his research. It's from something else. But it's a great thing for if we're thinking about habits because you want to raise the activation energy, which is like basically how much hassle it is to do the thing, right? You want to raise the activation energy of habits you don't want to have. Uh, example of this was um, I took the Facebook and Twitter apps off my phone um, mm. because I didn't want to find myself doom scrolling. Um, and that wasn't enough because I would just go to the browser and before I knew it, I'd have pressed F for Facebook, <laughs> pressed return, and I'd have been scrolling. <laughs> so what I did was I logged out of Facebook on the browser and it turned out that was enough activation energy for me to mostly catch it because I'd hit the Facebook, I'd do my automatic thing that I couldn't get out of the habit of, press F, press enter. I'd hit the Facebook page and it would say, enter your password. And I'd right. be like, oh, I don't want to enter my password because I don't want to be on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So you can raise the activation energy of that kind of thing. And then you can lower the activation energy of habits you do want to have. Um, you know, so it's like, uh, well, like um, my 12 minute method thing for want of a better example is like, if I, uh, part of the hassle of writing a blog is the editing thing we were talking about before, right? You could spend a million hours editing your blog. If I take out that, have you just remembered your David Reynolds? Look at joy on Craig's face. Um, uh, so like uh, the 12 minute blog thing, for people who haven't listened, it, you know, I got into this practice of just write while the train's going or write while the time is going, proof it once, post it online. Yeah. Having to get it perfect is high activation energy if you want perfect speech marks, if you want to get your blog on your website. If I make a decision, blanket decision, I'm only going to proof these blogs once and that's part of the practice, that lowers the activation energy of the whole thing. But you can also like, it's like going to sleep in your gym clothes would be the other thing. It's like, right. that's a Sean Aker example. It's like, yeah. Then it's harder for me not to go to the gym than it is for me to go to the gym because I have to get out of my clothes <laughs> and put something else on. It's like, well, I'm in the clothes. I might as well just go. Might what well what was your amazing thought about David? Or other you actually I said. you actually just did it. The, the ah. amazing thought was we had been talking earlier about the poet who said poems are never done and Baldwin said editing is really hard. And while you were talking to David Reynolds, you guys were talking about editing because your, your whole origin story of the 12 minute method is about like, write the thing, do a quick grammar and spelling check. And then that's the definition of done. And you and David were talking about basically abandoning your writing. You guys were talking in the context mm. of books because you've both written books. David's also written a book, which I recommend you download and read. Not, not you, Robbie, dear listener, go read it. Um, I've read it. I love it. Um, yeah. And the idea that you guys mentioned was when you write a book, it's this long arc. And then at the end, you're like, all right, I, well, maybe I'll just, let me just double check the source of this quote. And like, there's this huge hazard of like, oh, well, but it's like 50,000 words. I guess I would go, I'll check it again. Like you just, you can go, I've not written a book, but you can go back forever and edit yeah. and tweak, which is the idea that I had, but I couldn't follow. And then you just did it automatically anyway. Uh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, David's book is great. And, and we were talking about him and um, this pause gives me a chance to just say, yeah, I love his work. Um, a kind of humble, unassuming man with an enormous level of expertise about education. Yeah. I said something like it's the, what is it? The iceberg seven eighths of an iceberg uh, is below the waterline. I said, he's like work, working with him or talking to him is like an iceberg. You're like, wow, this guy knows a lot about education. And then you realize, whoa, look at all the, you know, there's a lot below the waterline here. So that's much. not available, not uh, readily visible. Cool. 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 Um, yeah. I don't know. Random stuff. What's the, 
are you still doing the same 12 minute train ride? Like, I know not to get too personal. I know you're moving. So like what happens when you now have a, tr- a 12 minute train ride anymore? Are you going to, how are you going to keep where the, That's where the 12 minute method came from. So I used to just write on the train because it was like, um, it was like dead time. So I felt free and free from the kind of pressures of life. Cause it's like, I'm already doing something. So that's why we chose originally the train. Like I, I don't need to worry that I should be doing something different because I'm already Here on the accounts. Like I might, you know, I can read my book or I could write a little article, but then I, I gradually over time, I got the train less and less because I was doing more and more online work essentially. So right. that's where the 12 minute thing came from. So to be honest, I haven't written on the train Well, you can find it. If you go to my website and go to the 12 minute blog page, I take a picture with each post from where it's written. And so, cause I was procrastinating, I was worried I was going to procrastinate on getting like the perfect picture from mm, that's hard, Pixabay right? or something. I was just like, I was in a real beat my procrastination, beat resistance phase. So I was like, nope, I'm just going to take a picture. And people a load of times, not a load of times, a handful of people over the years have said, you know, your pictures are a bit rubbish. You could at least put some filters on them. And I'm like, the point is it's out. <laughs> Thank perfect. you for reinforcing my decision, which yeah, is, but, this um, is good enough. <laughs> But so you could probably scroll back through that um, and find the ones that are written on the train. But most mm. of them these days are written in my flat or in my garden. And so mm. there will be, as you say, Craig, fingers crossed. I mean, crazy house moving stories. Uh, I won't tell. But as long as nothing goes unexpectedly wrong, I think we're, we're about to, to move to the countryside. So you can expect a different view. People who care can expect a different view <laughs> on, my, um, gonna change. on my photos. Finally, no more pictures of that skyscraper across the River Thames. You'll have my like <laughs> a tree and a field and stuff like that. Uh, that's funny. It is uh, when one, you know, listener, me, you, when one figures out that like, yeah, just ship it. It's good enough. Like this is, uh, I can just navel gaze and, and polish the thing forever. And eventually there's not, you know, what's that thing about no, uh, one cannot pour any tea into a cup that is full or upside down. Like <laughs> you have to like leave room in the cup. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, and things are just one way before if you're probably, if you've been to school in a, in a country like the one I grew up in or the one you grew up in, you've been kind of taught to try and get things perfect. And because oh, that's how most of yes. the, most of the exams work and, and that kind of thing. And in the real world, that's a really hard way to live. And it's a lot easier. Like I spent a lot of time, essentially the, the blog and, and stuff, it, you know, a lot of it is me practicing how to get out of that so I can do more and have more fun and feel more relaxed about it. And accidentally that turned into some books and stuff, but really that was I the find that, that I'm often, uh, well, not often anymore, but, you know, in years, in, you know, recent decades, I find that I was always claiming that I was starved for feedback. And now in hindsight, it occurs to me, it's like, well, yeah, if you keep all your stuff to yourself. In fact, I think, I think there's a quote or a chapter from Seth Godin in the practice that talks about, uh, keeping your work to yourself is, I don't know if he actually says theft, but you're, you're actually stealing from people by not sharing your creativity. So there's yeah. this thread here, which like it's, I remember hearing that and being like, Oh, <laughs> like, that's whoa, that's a little <laughs> painful, but true. Yeah. Um, and it, when you're forced or not when you're forced, cause nobody forces you, but when you choose to say, you know, like here, I made this in his, in his language here, I made this. And then people go, eh, you're like, well, cool. Now we know it's not for you. Or like if otherwise, if you just keep it all to yourself, you're like, have this 
greenhouse full of like flowers, but nobody can see them because you put a wall around it all. And you're just like, yeah, this is, which is okay. If you want to just write for yourself and keep things in a drawer forever. But if you want to be a writer or if you want to be a podcaster, like I'm doing, or you want to be a blogger, you got to hit the ship. You got to press publish. You got to hit done. Yeah. It's funny. I thought what you were going to say is you didn't get feedback because you'd spent too much time perfecting it, which I had never really thought about before, but I, you know, I bet part of the reason and like that, you know, you've got two choices, haven't you? You can kind of send something out that's imperfect and then you can expect some, then the space for people to give you feedback. But if you spend two years making sure a blog post is exactly perfect and it's no wonder <laughs> that we don't get much feedback, right? So yeah. that's one thing I caught. And the other way is that, that stealing thing. I wrote a piece about this once because it was so, I think it's going to be in, might be in that share your work book. Actually, it might've fallen within the time frame of, of that, but it's really powerful to think about that. And what I feel like I've learn is like like i remember my one of my favorite bands when i was growing up is the british rock band oasis and um they broke up and then w the songwriter from that did his own thing and he released one album and he but he said he had two albums ready because it's like he left the band and so suddenly there's this rush of creativity because he wasn't he wasn't constrained by what right, all these oasis ideas that didn't was. fit in that exactly. band. And so he, he did one album and he said there was another one and then by the time six months had passed for the record company to say it's okay to release another one now, he changed his mind. He said it didn't fit and it wasn't worth it. And when he did that, I was just like, he's called Noel Gallagher. I was just thinking, Noel, you're wrong. I, everyone, people like me really want to hear that. You're a bad judge of what it should come out. And I hope that one day, imagine if one day someone will leak that album. Um, you know, my favorite author died. And after he died, his uh, novelist called David Gemmell, after he died, like 10 years after he died, they released two books, one that was written in a pseudonym and out of print and one that they'd found. And it's like, it was amazing. Now I know why they, why he didn't publish that one because it wasn't as good, but it was a true gift for people like me who haven't had a book of his for so long to get to read it. Mm. And so there's a, again, there's a chapter that you can Google this piece, but if you want, it just, it's called the lost relics of our art or something like that. Um, but it'll be a chapter in the share book because it's like such a shame to have all these, these like on the shelves in the back of our minds or folders mm -hmm. in our computers, all these things that we've kept back because they're not perfect or because we think they might not be right. And we just, we never know who will, who will be changed by the things we make. And yeah, like I want to hear that. I'm glad the David Gemmell book came out. I want to hear the Noel Gallagher album, and I'm glad that the internet means someone will someone will leak it at some point, which is great. I hope it's sooner rather than later. But yeah, it, we we tell ourselves loads of stories, don't we, about what is um, what's okay to release. And I don't think my experience of of writing is that I don't. I never really know what I write, which of what I which of the things I write will be impactful for people. I'm sometimes quite wrong about. Sometimes I write ones that I think are quite dull. And people really like them. And sometimes I write ones that I think are amazing and no one likes them. Crickets. <laughs> exactly. Well, Robbie, as much as I always hate to say it, um, we got to stop talking at some point. I think that's a great place. There's a, that's a great thing to end on, people to think about. So uh, as I probably said the very first time we talked, hey, it was really great to get a chance to talk to you for 20 minutes. And thank you so much for taking the time. Total pleasure, Craig. Um, thanks for having me back. And um, I'll see you again, hopefully. Yeah, I'll see you for 101. I'll try you for 100 and you'll say no and we'll have to do, I'll have to do 101 podcasts. <laughs>